Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. to another podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. And tonight, we have a special guest, Aaron Harris, <laughs> the master distiller from Watershed Distillery. Right here in our home state, Ohio. Right out of, right in Columbus, just a couple hours away from us. And I am Tiny, and this here is Xavier. We got that right. We got that right. <laughs> Greetings, folks. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, remember, uh, we are on all major podcast formats. We are on Facebook as a group and a page. Check us out. We are on Instagram. Also, we are on YouTube and Twitter at Scotchy The. We are also on the web at www.scotchybourbonboys.com. Check that out. You can find all all about us and what we're doing, our Whiskey Live Every second and fourth Friday at 9 p.m. Check that out. And then also in the right-hand corner of the website, there's a Patreon button. Push that and uh, you can get all types of swag and different things, tastings and whatnot. So check that out. We definitely need all the support we can get. All right. I went through that. Uh, Tonight, we are tasting in two different glasses. One... Uh, courtesy of Martin Duffy, of the, who's also a Scotchy bourbon boy, of the Glen, North American Glen Karen Glass Company. Uh, he is their North American representative. <laughs> and we have it there, but we are also tasting in a watershed Ooh. distillery Glen Karen. So we're kind of excited about that. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. I love your shirt. It's perfect. Ah, it's right to the point. <laughs> so you know in social media that you're plastered all over our Facebook page, right? You know that. 
Because you're the guy. Well, I better be. Yeah. I you, better be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we've uh, been down to the... I mean, the one one cool thing that we we were beforehand we haven't even touched, but I want to touch about is your watershed kitchen too, because that's that's that restaurant that is attached to your distillery is a top notch, a one restaurant. Now I know that recently you switched um, chefs. How has that been going? Well, you know, so um, fantastic executive chef Jack Moore has. Uh, Launched his uh, his own hot sauce brand, uh, Black Cap Hot Sauce, uh, by Ruffled, Ruffled Feather Ferments, his company. So um, it's kind of taken off. He, he's starting out kind of slow, but uh, it's really taken off. And he's got a chance uh, to really, um, you know, take that and run. And, um, and and unfortunately, he's at a place where he can do that. And he's got he's got the full backing of uh, his watershed family in that. So um, we're letting him run and we're helping him as much as we can um now his sous chefs were maddie and aaron uh were, were phenomenal uh, and at this point uh, aaron uh, mercer has become our executive chef and i believe and maddie's maddie's gonna kill me i, I believe maddie house is our executive sous chef um i could i could butcher that but um uh, now and since then as well we've added a um uh, director of restaurant operations and Marlon Gammon. And he's, he's absolutely just an A plus top notch guy. Uh, couldn't say enough amazing things about him. And he's, he's just a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, leader to have on the team. So. Yeah, that sounds, sounds uh, exciting. I know that uh, if you're in the Columbus area, you have those Sunday night three course meals going on right now that, uh, every I get the I get the email all the time, and I just every single time I try and work through it how I can get down there. Uh, and you know, right now in the middle of freaking winter here in Ohio, and we've been getting hit pretty good. It's 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 a rough thing to get down there on a Sunday night, but as soon as the weather starts breaking, I'm definitely going to be down there. There's no doubt about it. Now they're they're really making they're really trying to turn it into a spot that uh, is both is both you know uh, from a you know from a foodie perspective they they and you've had the food they're they're just phenomenal and they introduce a lot of different foods that you're not going to see in other restaurants and they do it so well um, I mean there's nothing that I've had that I couldn't just eat and eat and eat all day it's just amazing and and before you have it you're not aware that you could do that. You know, that's, no. that's the cool thing about it. It's like, it's, it, it's just like, it's so unique. And what, I, what I'll say is just for the bourbon industry overall, the restaurants that are being tied in and these chefs that are being tied in with the bourbon industry, it seems like the bourbon aspect of it and the whiskey aspect of it brings out a creativity that's not happening. It, it, they're, they're not just doing a bourbon glaze, you know what I mean, that you get you know, at, at a chain restaurant, they're, they're coming up with just so many different ways to pair a bourbon, a bourbon drink or a whiskey drink with the meal or use a different kind of uh, sauce and use it in many different ways. And that's one of the cool things that I've been finding that, that the amount of, uh, you know, all the different places I'm going, I just keep eating this world-class food that, you, you know, it's just like you just can't believe uh, what was it? I, I had venison poppers. I mean, 
<laughs> Talk about something that was delicious, like with Xavier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just like it's like the, the creativity. That's all I'm saying is just seems to be off the charts when it comes to the restaurants in the bourbon industry. And in the yeah. last few years, it's almost when you think of not necessarily gourmet dining, but fine dining. It's almost like bourbon has become what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like. The ubiquitous of of, hot. of that it's, it's hot. genre of dining. It's really good. Um, you see it everywhere. Yeah, and we're fortunate in Ohio that, you know, we're able to do it. A lot of places, they just don't. It's just that much harder to combine, uh, you know, the restaurant with the with the distillery. And a lot of a lot of business models won't allow it. And fortunately, we, you know, we started the distillery in 2010 and the restaurant, I believe, came in 2016. So they relatively uh, kind of grew up, are still growing up together. So now, uh, one of the uh, we, we've I've talked about this, but you know, this is you, we were on the podcast when I was down there, and but this 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 is the first time I've had you one on one. And one of the cool things I think, uh, and I've told you this story over, and for those of people listening for about the first time, it's just kind of like. Watershed, uh, there's a lot of different distilleries here in Ohio, and there's the, the, so there's a lot that are just kind of average. But Watershed, when I heard that Aaron had been hired to be the master distiller there, the first thing that I did was reach out to you on, on uh, social media, on Facebook, you know, and then you you friended me, and then I was able to talk to you through Messenger. And what you have brought to Watershed was just a, a missing piece, in my opinion. Now, I'm not going to say that they weren't doing a lot of different things. They did some really good things as far as marketing and whatnot. But I, I just felt that I wasn't sure about the bourbon. And then once I met you and got invited down there and started tasting what you were doing... I just got really excited, you know, because not only even the last time when I was down there before Christmas, you're just taking the reins so that you can just keep putting out the best distillate to start aging. And you have a a bank of good, it's not bad distilled whiskey. It's just that it has to be, what would you say, processed properly as far as different finishes and there's so much that you can do. Plus then what I'm excited for is that when you get into that third, fourth year that you're there to start tasting what you're distilling and what you're putting together, that's, that's going to be really exciting for me. Cause that is going to be another bump up in my opinion. So, but I mean, overall the, the whole experience for you, is it what you thought you were getting into when you first got into it? Um, you know, it, I won't say it's one of those things where be careful what you wish for, because it's, not, <laughs> it, it's, it's not like we're filling truckload after truckload of, of you know, product. We are still, uh, I want to say we're borderline, uh, my, micro distillery. So we're under, I believe we're under 50,000. Yeah. We're definitely under 50,000 PGs production for the year. So, um, but with that, it, it's not like we're producing one spirit putting it in a barrel and go, we're, we're doing, uh, probably a dozen different 
look things. At, look what's in front of yeah. us, right? And, yeah, you're looking at bourbon right there. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and we're going through a huge transition right now, not yeah, only in our, our culture and leadership. Everything is is on the way up. These are seven up. watershed distillery Bring expressions here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, and and you guys produce, uh, I I believe, award winning gin, and, and and you've gotten some award winning bourbon, you know, and it's just been since you've been there, it seems like the ride has started to really start to take off, and I understand there's a certain aspect of what was going on already, but even like I was, you just impress me. I, I'm around a lot of distillers, and. Honestly, you've you've got the you've got what what most of them have that desire and drive, and then the desire to just keep making good spirits, but also make make a make spirits that taste really well. And you also have that that palate that you understand. Uh, everybody's palate's different, but there's a basic palate that the whole world. Um, Thinks is that you got the everyday drinkers, but then you have the other, you know, the tasters and everything. But that palate spans the majority of them. And I and once again, meeting you, talking to you, you're a great guy. Um, you're you're real. I've every single time I've been in front of you or talked to you, there's just you just feel that you've got everything that it takes to keep doing this. You know, as far mm-hmm. as taking it further. Hey, can you work on my social platform? You're doing really well. <laughs> I will. I, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan and I'm a fan. Be, look, if I was, if I was, you wouldn't have even saw me again. If, if the bourbon wasn't what, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have gone out and ever badmouth anything, but if that, if that, if that day that it would have been whatever, I would have just kind of faded because but there's just I was so excited when I went down there. I, I was just like that awesome. They're, they're, what they're putting out has just went up to that next level, and it's right up there with. Uh, I mean, real, really, the, from a bourbon from Ohio, where you have to get past all the. You're right up there as far as tastes with everyone. I mean, it's you've got your uniqueness with the with your finishes, but that you know. The one that I want to that we can talk about right now is the bottled and bond, because that was the start of the whole thing and your upgrade, you know. And you've been just putting that. You, you guys have just keep putting that on the shelves, and it keeps selling. Yeah, it's a great it's a great seller right now. Uh, we're trying to keep uh, we're trying to keep you know the shelves full at the same time, but we also know that we have to put we have to meet a specific. Uh, you know, we have to hit a flavor point, and if we don't have it, then uh, we don't push something out there that's uh, less quality. I'm. It's your customer's expectation of performance, and you have to hit that. That's what they're expecting you to hit. Now, how many how many states are you shipping to? I mean, I'm I'm honored that pretty much everything you're putting out there, except some of the really limited kind of things. That they're hitting the shelf, and anytime I want, to, anytime I run out, I can I can go there and pick one up off the shelf, and that's one of the cool things. So, yeah. but well, where our target our target markets right now 
are number one Ohio. We are we are taking care of the state of Ohio, and we will be the dominant. Uh, we will, according to sales, uh, we are the dominant distiller in Ohio. But uh, we haven't. I don't. I believe we're taking over the. I believe we're close to being the number one bourbon uh, producer. Uh, I think we're we're coming in really tight with Cleveland whiskey, but um, uh, we're definitely taking care of Ohio first and foremost. And then uh, we are. Uh, Michigan is is a top runner right now. Georgia and Illinois is coming in. So very um, nice. We know our limitations, and we're taking care of uh, home first, and then uh, spreading out. So, are have you increased production? So that your limitations are less in the future, or is it? I mean, are you just balls to the wall? No, I, there are certain things we're doing to increase production, um, but you know, giving the space for working out of uh, lease spaces, and you run into utility uh, just bottlenecks that you can only do what you can. Like right now, I think that the latest add-on we've got is a, a new fermenter. So we added a, a three thousand gallon fermenter to our existing three 2,500 gallons. So that is going to bump um, our production up. Once we get back to producing bourbon, we're still on the apple brandy. So would you say uh, your biggest challenge to your production is on the efficiency side or on the utilization side? Um, the biggest hurdle for me is utilities. 110%. Yeah, okay. um, and that's a lot. A lot of people face that. So what do you utilities mean? are expensive and they're hard to keep up so, if you don't stay on top of them. So what do you mean by utilities? Uh, obviously electric. I, I guess I was speaking um, of utilization as into what percentage out of twenty four hours is your equipment making product and and, and oh I gotcha yeah. yeah I mean for us right now we're running Monday through Friday uh, we're running twenty four seven Monday through Friday I've got Good. three shifts going with. Uh, We've got probably five guys on first shift and then one on second, one on third that are basically keeping keeping everything going because um, a lot of our runs take several hours. It takes us, I want to say, 26, 27 hours to run through, you know, 2,500-gallon fermenter. So it takes a while to run through that. So about 100, that 100 gallons an hour, basically. Uh, something like factors, that. It's a, it's factors factors around setup in and everything. Four yeah. gallons a minute, something like right, that. Right, right. Yeah. Oh. And now, as far as uh, utilities, basically what I'm what I'm saying is steam, uh, water, electricity. Yes, uh, you know we run on two boilers that um, are designed for two two different systems. When I need, I ultimately would want one that can control everything, and then it comes with time. So you're just saying those expenses, especially at this point in time, are really kind of getting getting up there, and it's a very big concern because you're you're spending those dollars now for something that eventually down when you're looking at bourbons and especially what you guys release, it's usually four or five, six years down the way before those are going to come to the market. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm. 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 I, that's the first time I ever thought of that. Except, you know, uh, tonight. Tonight, when I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to make sure all my lights are off. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so the other uh, one that we have here, we still have this uh, this six year apple brandy barrel limited release, which was uh, barrel strength, correct? Yes. And uh, 
once once again, I just think your guys uh upgrade of your bottles too. Uh when I see them on the shelves, uh I I'm I have a desire it, you know, it's right up there. State of Ohio as far as compared to other distilleries, uh you're more your placement on the shelf is damn good and everything. And then also your consistency. I did see this also on the shelf the other day, and that's your watershed uh, old fashioned uh, where it's in a bottle. And and yes, sir. Uh, as you can see, that's that's down. <laughs> as it Let me should see be. that tiny. You want to see that? There I do. Go. Why don't you taste it? Why don't I taste it? Taste away. Here's your. <laughs> here's your. They put it in a watershed, Glen Karen. You may be my favorite person, Aaron, just so you know, for that suggestion. <laughs> you can taste. I appreciate that. Fucker, you can taste anything. <laughs> it's like, what the shit? It's, I, I mean, you can see all the bourbon uh, back here. It's like there's. Has he got a, it's like he's got a chokehold on you. You can taste it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I, yeah. I'm not. I, I am not for one second uh, keeping, you know, keeping him from tasting anything. You know, just pull it out. So here, I, I, I like to ask distillers. So. You're making distillate. It's you're you're tasting constantly all the dist, this distillate, and you're making blends, and you're working mm. on finish, and you all day long. I mean, we got to taste the out of the barrel at, at, and out of that barrel at your place that the rye that you have there, which is fantastic. Who knows when that's going to come out? But at the same time, you're always tasting. So, do you have time? For any other bourbon, I mean, do you, you know, I, I believe initially you were at, you came from Lux Row, right? And then you were at Barton's, correct? First? Yes. So were you anywhere else before that? Or is that where you started? No. Okay. No, no. So are you interested in what they're doing where you grab a bottle here or there just to see what it is or anybody else's? Or are you just, basically drinking enough where you don't got time for anything else because if you did you'd become a complete alcoholic right i I, um you know it's it's funny when you get into it when you you deal with guys that work in the business every day i've met master distillers that want nothing more than wine to drink i've met guys that are just beer drinkers or don't even drink at all uh there is something to say when you're around it all day do you really want to pull with it it's when it's my stuff I'm making, sure, <laughs> but it's it's somebody else's. No, I know they're making um, – I know that uh, Barton 1792 is producing world-class spirits because I helped make them and they helped train me. I know that Luxor Distillers is making and now dumping uh, world-class spirits because I helped make it what and you, what, those systems are still in place. You're, you're talking about dumping into and making bottles of everything. Yes, they. Uh, the spirit we started producing in 2018 is has just been dumped. I believe they started dumping January 31st. That's four years. Okay. Yeah. I, I, all I have to say about about Lux Row, it, which is fantastic, but what they've been doing with one, they've been getting their their spirits to the market in a way where that you feel that you can get a special bottle and they somehow allow for the average person to stop off at the distillery and end up with a, a, a really good bottle almost any day of the week that you yep. go there. You know, 
Whether it be yeah. Rebel, I mean, the last year I I ended up with Rebel Tenure, uh, Davis County uh, Distillers Cut cash finish, yeah, Distillers Cut. Then French Oak finished. Yep, I got that, and then I also walked away with a Blood Oath, the Pack mm-hmm. Seven, and and it's and then the the the, the Luxro Twelve year with the double barrel. I mean, so they yeah. do, they've they've done a good thing, and you were a part of that. You know, it, it, there's no doubt about it, right? Yeah, as far as you know, as far as um, as far as the production of the spirit, the base spirit, yes, that that was me. Um, you know, all credit goes to the team at Luxco and Luxro and now MGP, um, who are you know behind the scenes and managing those brands and constantly bringing uh, more wonderful offerings to the to the to the market. And you know, their big saying is they have a pour for every palate. They, they really do. Um, and a lot of things, a lot of especially in Bardstown, where you really need to, you really need to shine and uh, to stand out. And um, that that visitor center doesn't try to compete with any local uh, agencies or say in Ohio, they don't compete with any local dealers because they want people to visit uh, different liquor stores. You know, Toddy's in Bardstown and Keystone Liquor is just around the corner from Luxury Distillers. They want people to come in, see the town and see what those other providers have. Um, so yeah, it's a, where, uh, where do I work? Oh <laughs> uh, no, that we, we, you work at watershed. There's no doubt about it. We were just talking about your, you got to give a back history. I mean, that just shows that you're bringing that knowledge that you picked up at both exactly, those places. Exactly. You've yes. brought it to, you've brought a certain aspect of Kentucky to Ohio. And I really feel that um, the spirits and and the production of the spirits since you've been there with the team that you have put together has really gone off. It's gone off the charts. You're right there with, you know, with making Watershed something that we need to tell people about because, especially in Ohio, because you can get it. And, and the fact that you can get it off the shelf you you want to pull these bottles off the shelf because you've really upped the game. That when you see a bottle of bottled in bond, you, and you, you, it's not even a comparison to the original watershed. It just my opinion, the bottled in bond has gone into a level where if I'm looking for a spirit and uh, I want a nice spirit, and I'm looking, I would. I consider it. I'd give it as a gift. I would give people this. I would I would certainly give it as a gift. Yeah. I mean it's something that, you know, it's right up there with everybody else. And that is well and 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 you know, thankfully and we are blessed in the fact that other people are seeing that as well. Uh you know, just recently we won uh, double gold for our bottle and bond from the John Barley Point. That, that, that so was some fine bottle and bond that was bourbon. That was our first uh medal. For our bourbons and to, to be a double gold was fantastic. Um, the other awards for that sixth year, um, we won a, sing, a double, a, excuse me, a gold medal for that uh, yep. in the same award. Yes. Now, um, just this past week, um, spy.com ranked us the top nine, one of the top nine bottled and bonds right now to be drinking. And we rated, oh, I believe that, that's fantastic that's, that's... list. Of uh, let's see, uh, we were on there with Old Fitz. We're on there with uh, Old Tub, a uh, few spirits, Laws. I mean, it's just a fantastic group to even be discussed, and especially for us. So it's just fantastic. The bottle and bond is magnificent, and I, and I got to tell you, on a totally different note, 
I really enjoyed the old fashioned. That's the first I've ever had that. That was good. That would be good over Ohio, in a tall Ohio glass over cherries, the rocks. All Ohio cherries. You know, it's, it's our bourbon. Uh, it's a. It's uh, we actually we we actually go up towards northern Ohio get the cherries. We we, we juice that. It doesn't take a lot of juice to flavor that batch, and then we put in our bourbon and some bitters, and it, it's the it's one of the best ready to drink cocktails you can get. Yeah, sure. Do, is. do you make the bitters yourself? Not yet. It's actually pretty. It's pretty tough. I suppose, but I was, something's going to turn the inside out. I don't. I, if you say it's pretty it tough, but I I know you could do it. But at what cost, you know, the, the and to what detriment to moving his utilities forward on other <laughs> goals that he has in sight? I don't know. I think I honestly, knowing what what your expertise is, uh, you making bit, bitters, uh, you not only could you make the bitters for that, but then sell it in the gift shop and it'd probably go crazy. Probably would. It'd be pretty sweet to do. What we're finding is, yeah, you really need a lot of fresh fruit to do it. And you know, it's it's it could end up being a really seasonal and item. The, the, so and the procurement, uh, most of ours has to be imported. The procurement and handling cost of that fresh fruit, not to mention the production cost, you'd have to sell an awful lot of bitters to justify the investment. I would think, well, not even looking at any numbers. Well, I find uh, that barrel aged, you know, you you mix a old fashioned, you stick it into a bourbon barrel. And and that's something that's hap- that's what you do, right? Correct? Or we serve we serve them that way in our restaurant, right? So that is probably as good of a drink that you can fucking make. I, I mean, I just love that out of that bourbon barrel. You age it in there. There's a couple places that do that across the across the country, but that when when you get when you put it in there for six eight six eight months. <laughs> And you let that just sit, all that stuff. It just seems to mix it perfectly. And you put that on ice with a, you know, with a uh, lemon zest and a, and a couple cherries. And it, it, there's nothing better. Don't forget prosciutto. Prosciutto? Yes. Oh, yeah. I love oh, yeah. Throw a, little, throw a little roll of prosciutto with a little toothpick on top. Oh. Ever since I ate at, uh, <laughs> I ate at uh, the Watershed Kitchen... I they they had prosciutto at that first meal. You know there was part of it, mm-hmm. and, and I I have just been ordering prosciutto with everything. The yeah. other night we had a, a charcuterie board, and they're like, "Do you want to add prosciutto?" And everybody's like, "No." I'm like, "Just fucking add it." Well, you know, I it's, just it's want an it. Ohio bourbon, just or, you know, or old fashioned. You might as well just use a venison trail bologna for God's sakes. You know, <laughs> oh, hey, little pepper jack cheese. I'm you down. got it. Yeah, you got it. That'll do it. All right, so uh, the, the one of the, the other things that we're going to be drinking tonight is your... Explain this to everybody. The King's Chamber. Chamber. Yeah, you have, you're not going to. Not going to explain this. No, I'm waiting for you to get it right. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's like we live in Ohio, and I might be a Wisconsin, for, originally from Wisconsin, but all I could think of is uh, King James when I say it. So, <laughs> this is King James Chamber right here, okay? I think the so King's I, Chamber refers to the Great Pyramid, I think. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Xavier, have you tried that? Um, No. I, if I have, I need to try no, it again. No, I think I need no, to try no, it again. No, no, no. I've 
This is this is don't have a. I wouldn't have a lot. No, no. Just so you know, this is fucking awesome, and I've been I hoard this shit. You have to be like like on a podcast or some some like uh, royalty to get this away from me because I I I actually this is one. You remember what I said about it on the podcast the last time I I said it. It's right there with Booker's. I mean, it has a Booker's thing aspect to it, but it also has a bunch of other really good taste that is even beyond that. So, yeah, just go over the whole politics of how that happened and how you got that to the the, the gift shop. So, you know, when I came on board um, around this time last year, um we were doing a, um, a PR campaign for our distillery where the uh, distillery production team, um, the women of the distillery and the kitchen team got to pick their own single barrels and it would be marketed in-house. And we did a little competition about, you know, who, who could sell the most. And, you know, I never won an award for anything. But um, <laughs> Uh, we had a selection of barrels to choose from. And, you know, I kindly asked marketing, he said, you know, is this all I have to choose from? And they said, well, you're the head distiller. I said, okay, you're right. So I found, <laughs> I found this barrel and I, I didn't, I knew it was amazing. I knew it was just different. It stood out from anything else in the distillery that we had out right then. And um, I, I set it in the, uh, in the group to choose from. Uh, in our sampling when we did our production meeting and to taste it. And it was natural. It came natural. That's the one everyone picked. Um, they just kept leaning to it because it just had such a different finish, uh, aroma, everything was just, it's, it's money. And, um, you know, it ended up being picked and we, we were spitballing what would be cool, what pays homage to the distillery, to the town and, you know, Watershed Distillery is located between King Avenue and Chambers Road Okay, in ah. Grandview. So King Chambers. Uh, and then uh, our awesome uh, sticker provider randomly put on a crown on there, uh, which was super cool. We didn't ask for that. So that was super cool addition. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, our barrel, our barrel one, we just sold out. It's just as soon as it could. I think we still have. Uh, the kitchen single barrel still sitting around somewhere, uh, still being sold. So, um, you know, I, I'm just thrilled that my team shares, you know, similar palette. And uh, um, it's just something that I'm really proud of. And I wish I had 50 more of those barrels. What what it kind of shows, because you were the new guy on the block at the time, is that you're you were in line with what should be happening there? True. You know, it, you know, it's kind of like like you said, you were glad that they did this and they liked this and they picked it, but then you add in your you know the person who was formerly working for you guys, and she still says you already knew about that barrel even before the whole thing started because you were tasting and you just threw it in there. <laughs> Look at he rolls his eyes. That's hey, there's a fist bump for that one. Anyways, that She's was a, 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 uh the the artist formerly with us uh <laughs> and an, an amazing uh taster blender and uh, I'm happy to, happy to have worked with her and learned from her and I'm happy to say still, we're still working together. So yeah. on different things. So um 
pretty cool. Yeah, she she's she's awesome. Awesome lady. There's no doubt. It's just like uh, the one thing I, I'll say about it is every time I, I even told her this, it's like every time you get around her, somehow you feel like you are in a better mood after you've been talking to her. <laughs> it's just like she just has that part to do and then so helpful. But um, so that brings us while we're getting a little bit more fucked up right now, because now at this point, this is probably going to do he's he's probably going to have to stay here till like 11 o'clock now to drive home because we're, I gave him the king's uh, king chamber. <laughs> chamber. I got not it the, right. That's the king James, the king, the, king cha- the king's chamber. All right. So See, that freaked me out. So thought- what's coming? So, so let's OK. All that all <laughs> that bullshit that I just said, forget it. Just what's what's coming now? I mean, you. You have a couple things on the burner and whatever. Uh, what's coming for 2022? Uh, so 2022 brings us to, you know, we're, we're still on that uphill climb of producing. So we, you know, we have a, you know, a decade long track where we need to be producing up to a certain level. So we're, we're adding on, um, we're adding on bigger goals every year. Uh, we're ask, we're also asking ourselves, who are we? Where do we want to be? Uh, what market do we want to serve? How big do we want to get? You know, who do we want to focus our products to? And one of the one of the cool things is that our distillery caught the attention of Marianne Eves, uh, who was the she's the first uh, female master distiller in the state of Kentucky since Prohibition. So um, she's a huge national tastemaker. She works with many many brands. Produces a lot of spirits, has a great taste uh, palette for a lot of spirits. Um, she's worked with a lot of people, a uh, big blender for uh, Brown Former for a while. Uh, she was at Castle and Key. Um, now she's doing private work. Um, with her Eve's Blend um, kits that she does, she has, I believe she selected 10 distilleries. Uh, one of ours, one of uh, the distilleries being Watershed for the 2022 release. And um, so I'm happy to say that we have a we've had a single barrel release that she had picked, and we also have that is actually sold out. That sold out the first day we offered it at our distillery, um, and then uh, the blend, the Eve's blend, uh, will be open to the public starting February 16th tomorrow. Uh, the public can go in and register to purchase one of those. Uh, I believe they're 150 bucks a bottle. It is. Excuse me, I've got a note on that. Proof. I'm trying to remember what the proof was. Yeah, cast strength. Um, I believe it's at 65 proof, something like that. It's it's a pretty stout bourbon. Um, it's a wonderful blend. Um, 65 ABV. I believe. Yeah, I believe okay. it was um, 130. I but I want to say it, it. The finish on it reminded you of a really nice scotch. Really smooth, really drinkable, approachable. It's not harsh. Uh, it's a wonderful bottle. I actually tasted it today, so I know how good it is. Not a ridiculously uh, overpeated scotch. No. What was that? The last thing? Oh, sorry. The lottery opens on the 16th tomorrow and then ends the night. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll get in on that. I have a question for you, Aaron. You know, we're talking about what you see going going down here on in 2022. Uh, are you... I guess the answer is you probably are encountering what so many um, distillers have told us about the glass shortage, the bottle shortage, and how is that affecting you and what your plans are for the upcoming year? 
You know, no, it's a great question. It's a, and it's a very real issue. You know, as as far as you know, shipping uh, delays that are happening, you know, across the world and every you know every every you know, every aspect suffering of from it, every facet. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, what one one option we've had to do is purchase glass that wasn't exactly our uh, fit, uh, just as a reserve, just so we could at least put product out there. You can have the now, best product God, in the world, but if you can't bring it to market, it's not doing you any good. Yeah, yeah and what, you don't wait, want to ruin. Ex- explain not our fit. I mean, I'm just I, I have no idea what the fuck that means. I mean, seriously. Okay, so let's say you want to put out a product. You have to either purchase a bottle design that's already out there, work with someone who owns the copyright to the mold work with them or you have a custom made created and then you've got to pay a fortune to have that mold. Certainly. Mm-hmm. With us, our molds are owned and we're the only ones that use those molds. Um, now, because of the importing of getting them here, that, that will cause issues. That has caused some issues. Uh, fortunately, we haven't had to use any of our reserve glass that we purchased that would work in case our glass didn't arrive on time. Now, um, you don't want to put something out there and it changes the face of your product, especially what people are looking for on the shelves. You know, the little things you know, we've ran into where it's like, okay, well, if we get a different bottle, how is that going to feel when they're pouring a, pouring a drink at the bar or reaching for it on the shelf? Is it, is it going to change the, the thought process? You know, it, and that's something we haven't had to face yet, but we're looking at all of those things. And you really wouldn't think about that unless you're having to hear about it from, uh, right, you know, on premise, off premise, off premise people. Well, I, I think uh, you, once again, the best thing that helps you get through that is your label. I mean, people are. I, I admit that when I'm out there, there's certain bottle shapes and bo- bottle type things, and I understand that a lot. Like a lot of p- people who were uh, wineries first, and then they start doing. Uh, you know, they start doing, they start a distillery, usually are putting their bourbon and their whiskey in wine bottles. I mean, it's the same kind of thing that they put in their wine bottles. You know, I've seen that a lot. Not not the standard, you know, the standard wine bottle, but usually they'll have a unique wine bottle that will go between the two of them. And that's something that, uh, but I really feel that your label could could help everybody get through it because in this time period when everything when all the shit's hitting the fan people are way more understanding and they'll be happy that they can reach for your label even though the bottle might be a little different that's yeah, what I the, would, the that's bottle how really I would wouldn't do. phase me but I don't have the same discerning uh, tastes or expectations of a, a lot of bourbon drinkers. Another question for you. This is completely off the wall. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, um, you know, and because the, the principal don't the principal, ask about body the, parts. The okay. <laughs> the principal grain, of course, is corn, and most of that is domestic. Uh, just reading different uh, articles about the instability with, uh, you know, uh, you know, Putin. Will he stay or will he go? In terms of. Ukraine and and whatnot, and how that is affecting, or the potential for it to affect, you know, different grain prices because you know the 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 steps of the Ukraine 
is is a big growing area, much like you know, say the San Fernando Valley or whatever. And uh, I, does does that what's going on over there affect your industry in any any way? Hmm. You know, you've got that. You've also we're also that's also building on issues with uh, you know going through the pandemic. You know, the biggest issues with going through the pandemic was labor. You know, the prices sure. are up because they can't make enough. They've got to meet you know different. They've got to make a different prop, a different price point. Um, you know, fortunately, our malt and our rye come from the United, from the U.S. So, awesome. uh, and most most of what everybody uses here is shipped from out west. So it, it's all coming from Wisconsin and out in Montana. Montana is a huge uh, producer of rye and malts, and so is you know the Dakotas. So, um, you know, and we're also servicing all of the ethanol plants. So there are hundred, two hundred ethanol plants in the United States, probably moving more. So, you know, there's still a huge demand for it. So I, I don't know how much that's going to play a factor. Now, I don't work for CGB or any of these big right. importers. So, what, so what do you mean I'm by sure supplying eth- ethanol plants? You, you supply a certain amount of alcohol to the ethanol plants? Corn? No, no, no. no. Yeah, well, we're talking grains. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're taking up the grains. Okay, they're buying your surplus. So, or so we've gotten we've gotten to the point in the United States where we put in a certain amount of ethanol into our gasoline. If there was a corn shortage, it would affect the whiskey industry before it would affect the gasoline, or both. I feel like we'd both be we'd all be hurting. You know, I mean, fortunately, you know, Kentucky producing most of the world's bourbon, most of the corn comes from Indiana and Kentucky. So, sure. I don't think it's corn. I don't think it'll be, be hurt well, too much. I know Indiana, Iowa, and Wisconsin produce a shit ton of corn too, plus Nebraska. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I'm not worried about I'm not that worried about the grain as far as corn. But when you're talking about uh, the wheat, rye, and barley, that's a whole different story, especially with the amount of beer that's produced in this country that relies on barley and hops. So that could probably... But but if that's you're U.S.-sourced on most of that, then that event going on on the other side of the world yeah. doesn't really affect you I mean, the, any, you know, any more or less than any other I think world the, event, I think it's speaking. the opposite. I think Russia, if they can't get the shit out of the Ukraine and whatever, and it falls, they're going to be shorted by the United. The United States isn't going to be able to meet Russia's demand. They'll still meet our demand. The 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 other thing is is you have to look at that conflict, and this gets into something else. Where if you're Vladimir Putin or or anybody in that conflict, you know it's like you can do things. You move a brigade, an armor brigade, off the front, and you affect the stock market. So if you're a smart trader, there are things you can do with buying on margin or or or, or buying shocks, stocks and shorting them, and then you can affect the price either way. You know, you buy a bunch of stocks at a certain price. Which way? What are you? Wait, move an armored brigade forward, and now all of a sudden the stock price drops, and you can short the daylights out of what you bought. So you know that that effect and that turmoil will affect markets in general. But that gets off on an extreme tangent. Yeah, that gets on a tangent that Greg takes care of, right? Wouldn't you yeah. say, Aaron? That we're really. Uh, not- <laughs> I hope I hope someone is covering those conversations. But I, I think you know what Xavier is getting to is down to the root of it is its suggestion. If there's a suggestion, exactly. exactly one way or the other, it's going to affect everyone some way, whether it's in 
whether it's 0.0006%, you know, or it ends up saving someone millions on purchasing, you know, different uh, companies. So it's, uh, I can assure you, I'm not worried about it right now. And I get to do this all day. What's good deal. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, what you were, what, what overall, what you're, I think the glass shortage affects you a little bit more. Now, have you had to delay any of your bottlings? You said no, right? You have it a backup if you had to, but you all the bottlings have been right on time. You've done fine on that on that that area. Unfortunately, our supplier has uh, has met our needs. You know, with 2020, 2020, 2021, a lot of orders were put, you know, six, seven months behind. I think I want to say in 2021 at the start, I bet we had five or six POs from 2020 that hadn't arrived yet. So there was just a lot of stuff that finally came in. And then if you get it and you get to produce something, well, then you don't know when, you know, if there's, there's going to be another shortage, you know? So we're just, uh, we're just uh, trying to maintain uh, production at this point. Yeah. And that's all we all, all can do. And hopefully we're on the back end of the bullshit. It's starting to, <laughs> starting to lighten up, especially here in Ohio. I just, I, I feel just in February, we've, we've turned a little bit of a corner. So hopefully I, it's an election year and the rest of the way is just smooth sailing. I'll tell you what, I would love to be in your shoes producing bourbon in Ohio at any time, just because, and people have heard me speak of this before, and they probably think I'm whacked out of my mind, but when you're doing something like this, Aaron, you're doing something bigger than you. You're doing something that people did 100 years ago, 200. and God willing, or more, a couple hundred years ago, we'll be doing a couple hundred years from now. You're part of that bigger picture, just like, as I've said to, to Tiny before, being in your tree stand the first day of gun season or bow season, whatever you like to hunt with, or, you know, like and what Tiny does being at Lambeau Field for a game, you're, 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 just, you're just part of a bigger, a bigger picture, a bigger stream of consciousness. And I would, I would love to be doing what you're doing. And I can't think of any more exciting time than to be doing it than now. Yeah. And, it, and there's a heritage factor to that. And I don't make light of it. I take, I bring, a lot of heritage with me. I bring a hundred years of past practice in what I do every day. And that's just the way I was trained and the way I've been, you know, my, my skills, how limited they are, have been, have been honed. So, um, yeah, I'm very proud to be a part of it. Um, you know, there were, there were times where it's, it's almost like, is it a, um, is it ever a philosophical issue for you? And, you know, there's, I've come to terms with that, and no, I think a man should work and provide, and I love what I do. Sure. Well, I, we love what you do, too. So, yeah, Just for the definitely. <laughs> and, and I, so here's here's a really kind of a cool question. It's kind of like I understand, I mean, you look at Michael Veach, and you look at uh, Fred Minnick, they, they were, they deal with, and then Dixie, what's her last name? Dixie Hibbs. Right. Yes. They, they, and we got some upcoming. I don't want to drop too much, but we got some more coming on Dixie Hibbs. Yes, and but but they were Kentucky historians. They 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 took that Kentucky history, which was, and then when you're when the but if you really want to get down to it, 
uh, Pennsylvania. That's where the whiskey wars were. And real, realistically, at this point, there's not a lot of Pennsylvania distilleries working working for their history. But then you get into Indiana with, and I'm going to say it, Alan Bishop. And he really puts Indiana history right there. So I live in Ohio right now. I've been here for almost 20 years now. My question is, I don't have any distilling history on Ohio. But obviously there's a distilling history there. And now you coming from the Kentucky distillery and then coming up here, is there that aspect of Ohio distilling history that you can like work into the watershed? It like, you know, is, is, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm asking that question question. Have you heard about Ohio distilling history? No, it, no, I really haven't. And I think, you, I think you hit the nail on the head when, you know, when you had the whiskey rebellion and when everybody moved out of Pennsylvania and filtered through Virginia and Kentucky at that time, I think there was maybe an easier path, a cheaper path for some, you know, you had Ohio that was tons of farmland, but you know, land was probably cheaper in, uh, in, in Kentucky because it, at one time, uh, Virginia was the entire state of Virginia and Kentucky. So, uh, I think maybe there was more opportunity there. Plus, you know, with as many, as much branch water as you can get in all the creeks and rivers in that area. Right. Both uh, that. And, and then the yeah. limestone water. Exactly. Right. And then, and you then the limestone <laughs> water and the direct route down to but, New Orleans. But, you but know, just you remember. A, you a trade route there that you could readily tap. It's on a limestone shelf. So the farmland isn't as, e- it's not as easy to farm Kentucky but it's a but then that comes up into Indiana and a little bit into Ohio that limestone, but then it turns into better farmland. That's because yeah. Ohio's more glaciated, and then the glacier right. well, stops. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. and then you're you're still talking about that limestone shelf that wasn't destroyed by the glacier. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and well, it, another another part of that is is the water demand and shipping. So at the time, you know, when all this was going up. Boom, you've got Louisville and you've got Cincinnati where Seagram's took up and you've got all the, the Sitzels and the Brown Foremans that took up in Louisville. So I think that's just where it blossomed and boomed from there. Because of the river. Right. I, I think that's a huge yeah, part. Yeah, a water source yeah. for production I mean, and a water I mean, source Evan for Williams, transportation. Evan Williams, and you're right there. Evan, you're not paying for overland transportation as well as not paying for water. But, and you can get it to market but, in the big cities. But Evan, Evan Williams, 100%, he was the, 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 what is it, the harbor master or the river, the guy who basically controlled and was in charge of charging you to take your he, boat out. He, wasn't, the, he didn't have a monopoly on it, but he had one of the biggest ferry operations, I guess. Yeah, but he yeah. also was the, the, the they, he was in charge of get, getting the boats unloaded taken out of the water and putting on the other side of the falls. But yet then he's running his distillery and just dropping all his shit on the other well, side know, of Something the Dixie told me on Saturday. Uh, my God, what, what an intelligent, articulate woman. Why, she's a historian. And talking to her, I love history. You know, I, I almost became a history teacher. She, it was, I was like a kid in a candy store listening to her. 
and she told me that you know back in the in the 1790s and whatnot, loading bourbon on a flat boat and sending it down there, the boats didn't come back usually because the boats because of the Kentucky wood that they were made out of were used in housing construction then. Like in other words, the boats were disassembled and they started building houses, buildings, commercial establishments out of that wood. It was that good because they had no efficient way to take it back up there. This is before we had steamboats and whatnot. Yeah, they and, had uh, you know that's something that's an aspect of it I didn't consider. And she went on to say that basically the majority of the bourbon production was coming from Bourbon County. So, you know, you had it was just whiskey then, but then they called it Kentucky whiskey or bourbon whiskey for that reason. And then they sent and it to Bourbon Street. The name came from. And of course Bourbon <laughs> County got its name from the French royal family, but that's a whole other, another story. But the other aspect is there was no way to get the people who took it back and Pretty much half the people on their way back to Kentucky, you had to, you had to travel with an army. Got much. killed. Exactly. You had to travel with an honorage. Aren't the, you glad? With an honorage that was packing heat. Aren't you glad, Aaron, that we live now? <laughs> yes, I'm so happy we have the ABC system now. I'm yeah. so happy. Yeah, I, I, I am because we don't have to die. We might have to be taxed, but we don't have to die. Just I'd rather, I sometimes I'd rather hire mercenaries. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I might be cheaper. I'll come down for you. Anyways, I got us off on a tangent. Aaron, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you tonight. Thank you for taking the time. As well, I've said to everybody that's that has uh, podcasted with us, we realize that you, as a master distiller, are not just sitting here around twiddling your thumbs, saying, "Gee, I wish I had something to do tonight." We appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely do. Where no are you in the distillery right now? I am in my kitchen, sitting in my island. That's in your kitchen. So, so have you relocated to Columbus? Or are you still down in Kentucky? No, no, no. we're in Plain City. We're just on the north uh, west side of Columbus. Okay, so my sister you? lives in Powell, so yeah. I know where you're talking about. All right, so. Uh, Anything else you want me to drink to put me under the table right now? Right there. I just like, is there anything left? It's your choice. You know, I, you're a big guy. So <laughs> if you wanted to have another, I don't know, one finger of King Chambers, you could you could probably enjoy that. You got it. Because it's like. I, I, want, I want another, like. Quarter finger of the bottle and bond. All right. Yeah. Well, the greatest part of that bottle and bond is that it's going to be on the sh- all the shelves for a long time. So, yeah. what's four like? Sorry. What is four the fourth batch like? Every batch is going to be a little bit different. That's just the nature of our game. I know. Uh, but we're looking for classic bourbon flavors. We're looking for some heat. We're looking for some nice spice flavor. Thank you. We're looking for a great finish that lasts and you can remember and you want to keep reaching back for. Um, so that that's my goal. And so far, we're gonna we're gonna hold true to that. The caramel off of the last one. What bottle number is that? Mm-hmm. Teeny. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Aaron. 
Yeah, I suppose. Touche after I called you Alan. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what bottle number? Okay, let's go to the back. It's on the front. Where? Okay, 66.3. All right. You, I got the glasses. You on. do the front of the bottle. I'm going to fall on the grenade for you again. It's 66.3 ABV. Uh, he wants to know the bottle number. <laughs> That's a proof. There's no bottle number on the well, front. Well, turn it around to see if there's a bottle number on that. Oh, no, no, no. There is no bottle number on that. Sorry. <laughs> I was just... thinking the bottle number. I was... Set me that's the funny. fuck up. That, yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I a friend... I feel like my freshman, freshman year in high... My freshman year in high school, where's the cafeteria? Oh, it's right on the front of the freaking bottle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Go find me, go find me the board stretcher. Yeah. <laughs> What number bottle? What's the what's the bottle number on the bottle box? <laughs> on the bottle? No, what's the one on the bottle? On the bottled and bottle. Here we go. He's wearing the glasses. So. All right. Here, here, I'll give you the I haven't had to do this. Look, here we go. Watch. I hate bottle this. number zero 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 seven one seven. Bottle seven seventeen. That is the very first batch. Yes. Fantastic. That is that is that is the And first I got it right here. Project. That is my first project. Cheers. A good bottle. Yeah, it was. I have bo- I I think I have bottles 2 and 3. And I, I probably will never open those. <laughs> so I have a question. I want to So, so I have bottle 1, right? That you said that's you the first batch. Seven, seven, first eight. batch. That's the first batch. First batch. So next time I come down you want me to bring it? No. No. You don't want to taste I your know. first batch? No, because you probably will bring it back. <laughs> I hey, I would give it back to you. I would absolutely. I, no. I, I love you, brother man. You've you've treated me no. nothing but awesome. I'm, would, I'm here to tell you that just now, even chewing that, giving it a Kentucky chew, there's there's nothing bitter. You you taste a little bit of oak, but there is no bitterness whatsoever. That's a really awesome bottle and bond. Yeah, you you guys should be proud of once you hit watershed, what you did with that stock. Obviously, there was some distilling skill, but the palate was the palate of the team was missing, and what you what you brought has brought this fantastic palate up from Kentucky to apply it to what he what was distilled. And because obviously the distillate was quality enough between what you had through MGP and what you had through, you know, watershed to be able to produce. And, and bottled in bond is what that bottled in bond is 100% watershed, correct? Correct. And that is, it's the new, it's the new recipe. That's a three grain recipe. Yeah. So I we actually, we actually found one more barrel. It's the five grain and it's five years old and it's a single barrel right now that we're going to have out for uh, purchase. Uh, we have one more remaining. Do you have a, do you make public a, a mash bill on the bottled and bond? Uh, yes, it's, uh, excuse me, 70, 72, 21, 7. Okay, nice. Is that right? 
Now, do you guys have a weed? 72217 as in, in corn, wheat, and barley malt. No, corn, rye. Corn, rye. I'm sorry, corn, corn rye. Now, did, now I meant is, to say rye. You said weeded in the Now, is there a post wheat of bourbon in the future? Are you trying to do that now? No, honestly, wheat is such a soft flavor to work with, and it really needs a strong environment to age in. I don't. I don't think I would want to put weeded a weeded product in a palletized warehouse. Now, you the have, future, you, you have, have to redo your. That you, we may have that option. You have to do. You, you build you a house. Re, yeah, you have to redo I your calculus. You no, you you uh, have to redo your. Thanks for ripping the fuck out of me. You have no. To. I am. What would you say? Refluxing. God. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is. If you switch over to wheat, you have to recalculate the calculus on what you're doing with your malted barley, too. That I know just from talking to distillers such as yourself. It, you know, there are there are people out there that will tell you that you're going to get less yield on wheat than you will rye. Um, I have not found that to be true. Um, if, you, if your processes are good, you'll do okay. Um, now... It, there, that's a whole other topic, and I'm sure Alan Alan could about to uh, could extrapolate that too as far as how to work with wheat. But uh, no, we did start matching our rye whiskey uh, this year. Uh, we started it last year. We've made I think I want to say we put away 11 barrels so far, uh, but it is a 51% rye whiskey. Uh, we will also be producing a I believe it's 69% rye. Awesome. At least it's not ninety five five. If you produce a good sixty nine, the biggest. If you the produce, issue you can have is it's got to be flour, and no one not no one can provide me that kind of bulk flour pre ground. Otherwise, I might try it, but it's got to be. It's already got to be you know basically flour. If but you, what you got there is ninety five five, correct? What? What you got the rye? Those five mm-hmm. barrels? No, that's not the... Oh, no, I don't think that's that high. Okay. If you start well, producing a seventy, a 69% rye whiskey, my wife will want a high-speed rail system put in between our house and your distillery because she is a <laughs> rye girl, let me tell you. Well, I find rye gives that punch that whiskey punch so most of the time when you get a higher rye you know rye or you're drinking rye if if it wakes it wakes certain people's taste buds up where some of the bourbons won't you know they just kind of especially a wheat bourbon doesn't wake the taste buds up of the majority of the the population but it still gives some people that mellow kind of not whiskey thing and there's a whole hell of a lot of people that want to drink whiskey without the kick you know i mean well and there 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 comes the weeded bourbons there comes your makers yeah yeah makers and a few others that we've had the wilderness trail weedered that we that we did in whiskey live was quite awesome so i'm excited lately because it's been a while after i got covid just bringing my palate back and my and my uh, sensory on my smell, uh, the smells delayed more, but just the last couple, like this last week, 
it was almost like everything I taste is like someone dumped sugar in on almost everything. <laughs> so I'm re- really happy that I'm getting the flavors off of everything. And it's, it's kind of exciting. Good. So I wasn't making light of your COVID plight. Just when you started to say, shh, and you said sugar, I thought you were going to say something else to start yeah, out with the, just, yeah, with the SH diphthong. No, there. no. I, it's just like the last couple of podcasts, it's just kind of like the my palate's lit up. I just taste, I'm tasting a lot more than I was getting. I was getting a all right amount, but it's almost like it's evolved one step further. Now, now, when you, as a distiller, do you find that you have better, way better days than others? We're like 150%. Yeah. And, and what always helps me is that it like, like we are, we, we will have, I want to say it's around 400 barrels come uh, of age this year. So we've got a lot of product to play with, but every single one of those need to be tapped and sampled. So uh, I want to say the last three working days, I went through about 40 or 50 single barrel samples and you, you get, you get a little bit of burnout, but what helps me is I grab one of my favorite bourbons, get my palate woken up and get my, get those sensors looking for what I want in a single barrel. And that, that helps me move, move fairly quickly through a lot of those bourbons. Yeah, there's definitely, I, I know what I'm looking for initially on that front palate. And then as it goes across mid palate to the rear, uh, then, then once, and then into the finish, you, you're looking but that front palate, you're always looking for that sweetness. But, you know, what's what's fun about it is, is that when you get that, and you have to know what I'm talking about, it's like you're, you're, you're sampling a barrel, and you've been through like 20 barrels, and they're tasting like bourbon, and they're tasting good, but then all of a sudden you get that special one. And it's almost like you, get, you, you, you drink it, and you think, how can bourbon taste like this? <laughs> I got a question for you. You said 400 barrels. In a year. Right. So you're talking 80,000 bottles of bourbon, give or take, you know, allowing for the bourbon, you know, uh, apple what, brandy what, what or whatever. What does a typical barrel produce when you're talking about blending? You're talking, what, 200 no. bottles of bur- uh, or two, two, 220, 230, 220, 220, yeah, exactly. Because you're going to lose some to the angel's share and the devil's cut. But... Uh, so you're talking eighty thousand. So is that four hundred just based strictly on what you can push through your pipe? Are you producing to a sales expectation? Damn. No, basically, basically they put away that many in 2018. So they're from the from 2020 from January 1, 2022 to December 31st, 2022. That's how many barrels that will hit four years old, basically. Right. And 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 what predicated that? What made them say that's where we want to be. Was you know, that, it, yeah. I have to give credit to the leadership, to you know, and foresight. You know, if you if you're not forecasting, you know, and that's that's the worst part. You're producing for four years, so you somebody forecasted right. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to have a crystal ball that takes into account the everything that's going on, the pandemics and the Vladimir Putins of the world, before you could even. Move so what was it? That. What was yeah. it last year? How many barrels did you have to taste last year? Uh, uh, I I probably went through 
maybe 150, 200. I don't know. Okay, so 400, 400 is a a really good yield. So if if someone fucking is predicting right, you're in trouble. (laughs) Hopefully, you know, and and I mean this in a good way. I mean this in a good way. Hopefully they've they've underpredicted for you guys. I mean, you know, so you're talking about 80,000 bottles, whatever your margin is on that. You know, so if I'm if I'm doing a podcast where there's a like like tonight where there's six, seven, six, seven bottles and I know I so the pores are a lot smaller. Are the pores smaller when you're dealing with that many barrels in a day, like you're just, and then you're just kind of taking rests and getting back. I mean, what kind of, what kind of, um, I, I mean, I talking to our former employee, there's some days where her husband had to come and pick her up. So <laughs> do you get that too? Uh, or are you able my to? Limit, I, I really like to stay in batches. Like uh, this morning, for example, I started it. Uh, I think I started at 6.45 and got done around 7.30. And I did 10 samples then before everybody got in at 8. And that was that was, that was was before I wow. started. So I, I first threw those. And, and a lot of times I won't, I won't drink these. I'll, I'll, I'll sample and spit as much as I can. But um, and sometimes it's really hard to, you know, your, your palate may not Except give away as much as a, as much as a finish will. So you, you, some of them you need to finish. Yeah. Um, so, so I try to limit myself to 10, 15 a day, Max. That's just, it's just enough. Yeah. And I'm at that point too. If you, it's like, if I, if you spread that, spread it out to 10, 15 over a whole day, that's fine. But you can't do that every single day of the year. <laughs> I, I won't. <laughs> no, I mean you'd be we'd be in uh, DTS. I mean they'd have to put yeah, us. Yeah, you just can't you can't get addicted to it. But at the same time, no, you got to keep tasting it and tasting it, and then you get the. Also, do you find that you have to eat? Do I have to eat? No, you have to eat during your tastings. In other words, can you just get in the morning and just? do a bunch of samples and not get buzzed opposed to having a nice breakfast and then tasting. No, no I don't eat. You don't? No, I don't really. I don't normally eat. No. Oh, nice. <laughs> see, see, see me, uh, see me. If I eat light and I do a podcast and I get up there, it's, it's not good. I entered the workforce in the seventies and I mean, you know, not every day, but most days you'd go out and, Tip a few back for lunch, you know, and I and I oh, remember yeah. what that was like, and 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 scaling it to where you're at, uh, I just can't imagine that. I mean, I, I mean, we we really got things done back then, but probably if we weren't drinking, we would have colonized Mars by now. I think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope, I just hope wherever you are in four years, when I'm ready to just keep podcasting, that I can just for like. Three months train under you. Once I'm retired. Once you're retired. I'll come. Are you 34? How old do you think I am? I don't know. You dream like you're 34. I'm so old, I fart cobweb. Okay? <laughs> I'm old. I'm, right? I'm, I'm 57. I, so just, I, got, I, just, I got a couple more years. I'm going to retire at that 62 early mark. 
Yeah. And then I'm going to run this podcast, but I need to train under Master Distillers. How old do you think I am? You look like 80. Yeah, but <laughs> how old do you think I am? You know I'm not 80. Just I'll say 64. No, yeah. I'm not quite. I'm 61, but that's okay. Yeah. But you're, 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 you're where I expected you to be. He's Your not, eyes tell a lot more wisdom. No, but, <laughs> but, but he don't do anything... To, to cover it up, I 100%. I'm not, I'm gonna, I don't do I'm shit gonna to try and look, up. I'm gonna yeah. try and look 45 for the rest of my life. Yep. Well, that's what Just for Men will do to that black beard. I see. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. And I then, was thinking about doing wait, that and getting wait, my I'll hair help dyed you out here a little further. And the, my, my, the, the lady that cuts my hair said, Don't do it. I got men that come in there that want me to make your hair. Make their hair look like yours, so I don't do it. So if you have Mama no hair under so. this hat, right? There, if you wear the hat, nobody knows. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I take this hat off in public very few times. <laughs> no, but you do it well. What's that? You do it well. You wouldn't What's look that, right with that scene in the. There's a scene of smoking the bandit, bandit where he only takes his hat off for two things. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I only take it off for one because I ain't taking it off for the other because it'll just be such a shock. <laughs> well, so you what you got to do, Aaron, what you got to do, Aaron, is like I did at an early age. You got to learn to knot it from the inside and don't fall out then. Yeah. My. So, so we've we've gone we've gone uh, a little bit longer, but it was wonderful, a lot of fun, and just uh, Aaron, everything that you have done with the Scotchy Bourbon Boys and and your access that you've given us, we greatly appreciate it. There's my no goodness, thank it. you so much, and uh, we'll continue to. I mean, the quality of what you're putting out, we just keep looking forward to, and I I'm gonna enter the lottery. Tomorrow, and hopefully I'll get a bottle of that. And go. uh, yeah. going forward, uh, uh, I we we love to come down to Columbus. There's no doubt about it. And the the food is always fantastic. And uh, and everything you've done is just been just it's right here, man. Right here, you just from the start, uh, you're you're just good people. There's no doubt. I appreciate that. And, and thank you for what you sent up to me there uh, when Jeff was down there. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait. I didn't know who the hell it was going to, but I thought, damn it, I know there's another guy. I said, there you go. See, there's the watershed right there. Uh, this 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 T-shirt I wear has everything on the back. <laughs> and usually I wear the, the, the shirt to cover up the belly. <laughs> so, all right. I will, I will say something else. You know, we... I, I do work really hard to make sure we're doing things the right way, but I'm nothing without the team around me and uh, the team we're building is, is a hundred percent backing me up and I back them up. So, um, and we believe, you know, you mentioned training. We are, we love helping people out and working with anyone. We actually do consult as much as we can uh, through watershed, but um, uh, I will be speaking at the beam Institute conference coming up in March. So um, I'll be there for that. So, if anybody wants to hang out there, we'll be there. Nice. What What's the actual dates of that? So I'll look that up. March 14th, 15, and 16. March 14th, 15, and 16. Oh, I right. believe. All right. And then uh, it's uh, what day are you speaking? I believe I'm speaking the last day. The so 16th, I get to see everybody. 
and then do it. And now, where is the Beam Institute? Is it in Bardstown so or the, Louisville? No, the James B. The James B. Beam Institute uh, for Kentucky Spirits or for Bur- It's it's uh, it may just be the James B. Beam Institute at UK. UK. Uh, so that's in Lexington. Lexington. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Uh, Lexington's a neat town. There's a great riding stable near there that my wife makes me take her to every time we go down there to do a guided ride through the hills. I mean, is there not even every every town in fucking Kentucky is great. I mean, it's just like every they, they their just goal is to put up distillery in every freaking town. There's no doubt about it. It's a, it, Kentucky definitely. Uh, knows how to do bourbon right. There's no doubt. But knowing what you said, I'm going to try and get down there. Because I know my wife's not going to be able to come with me, but um, I believe that's a weekend, correct? That's You speak on the last day? Uh, I want to say it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Um, I think it's a Wednesday. All right. Um, but I will. I will plug. Moonshine University is doing a fermentation class. I believe that Thursday or Friday, which I highly recommend. We, uh, me being a executive bourbon steward, has has. Uh, we first did our first bourbon steward uh, class at Wilderness Trail, and then we finished up at the Moonshine University to get our executive bourbon stewards and. Uh, great class, great, you know, it just teaches you everything that you need to know. Uh, all the details are there and, uh, it's exciting, right? Well, and they've got industry, they've got in actual industry people in there teaching. They don't have just, yep. you know, book nerds. Yeah. And then, uh, when, when, once, once you, there's a, there's a shit ton of people that go through that program that then go into the industry and, you know, and, and then once they get to their distillery, they get, they get finished off by the distillery teaching them the ins and outs. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a good program. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to have a, Little Stevo at littlestevo.com. Take us out. Great great podcast, Aaron. Thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. All right, man. Good night. Have a good night. Have a great night, guys. See ya. Whiskey bar, oh, don't ask why, oh, don't ask why. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar, oh, don't ask why, oh, don't ask why. For if we don't find the next whiskey bar, I tell you we must die, I tell you we must die. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, we must die. Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, 
and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts. <laughs>